1: How are you feeling today, Dad? Oh, quite a uh, festival. Festival? Is that a word? Festival? No. It's festival. Evil.
0: Festivic. Or uh, are you evil and you're you're festive because you're evil. Let's start from the beginning. <laughs> How do you feel today, Dad? Quite good, thank quite you. Quite good, thank you. Are you sure? <laughs> yes, I'm happy
1: to start season two.
0: Well, with well, this is not, this is not gonna be the first episode.
1: Ah, so I'm happy to start not the episode of season two. Welcome to Spies and Lies, an
0: espionage podcast, co-hosted by me, Omri Rose, and my dear old dad, Jason, a retired former spymaster of one of the top intelligence agencies in the world. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. The mystery of Agent 355, the Lady of the Revolution. August 17th, 1779... George Washington's two-story stone house headquarters in New Windsor, New York. An urgent knock on the door sounds. George Washington, sat over his desk, reviewing plans and correspondences, looks over his shoulder towards the heavy wooden door. Enter. The door opens as a windswept officer steps forward, reaching into his jacket to produce a sealed envelope. General Washington, sir, a message. The envelope exchanges hands as George Washington quickly identifies the seal. Thank you, Sergeant. Get some rest. The officer departs as Washington breaks the seal and begins reading the contents of the letter. A coded message from his chief spy, Abraham Woodhull, dated August 15th, 1779. Among the information inside, a single sentence has echoed through time and caused a mystery. I intend to visit 727 before long and think by the assistance of a 355 of my acquaintance shall be able to outwit them all. 727 was code for New York. As for 355, that meant lady. Dun-dun-dun! And so the mystery
1: begins that has echoed over time! Any thoughts so far? Well, the use of codes and not revealing the the real person is uh, something that's very important for the continuity of keeping the safety of your agents. So it's interesting how they did it here, how they used it, and what sort of methods they used to make it happen. So I think we'll be talking about that in this this episode. I mean, there's a lot to say, really. We should just dive in, I guess. <laughs> dive in, and then I'll, I'll comment, as I usually do, on some of these topics. As you usually do? As I usually do. All right. So
0: the background to this little uh, espionage escapade began in, uh, you know, the month of July in 1776, when the United States, then the, the British colonies, in the Americas declared independence. The Declaration of Independence was signed, officially starting the American Revolutionary War against the British Empire, which had formerly ruled over the American colonies, 13 at the time, from Georgia to Maine on the east coast of the United States. Approximately 45% of the population of the colonies supported the independence, 15 to 20% supported British rule, while about 35 to 40 were undecided percent, not people. I mean, there were a little bit more than, uh, you know, 200 people at the time, so. I hope so. (laughs) Just a few more. Otherwise, the British would have uh, had a much easier time of it. Though, that said, things did not start well. The American Revolution loses the Battle of Long Island, losing control of New York and Long Island to the British, as George Washington, the American Revolution's top general, flees with his smaller and outgunned army to avoid capture. The British began using New York as their headquarters. We're talking about Manhattan, primarily. George Washington knew he needed to find out what was going on in New York and couldn't muscle the British, right? I mean, he had a smaller force. Yeah, the British Empire was uh, controlling half of the known world. They, they said, the sun never sets on the British Empire, as they said, didn't they say that? They, they did say that, yes. And so he had to outsmart them. As our old friend Sun Tzu said, you needed to win the battles before fighting them, and so George Washington tasks Nathaniel Sackett to create a network of spies. But because of a lack of progress that he found with Nathaniel, he then later tasked Benjamin Tallmadge to be the head of the uh, network of spies that he created. Benjamin Tallmadge became the code name 721, his alias John Bolton. Benjamin Tallmadge then recruited only those he could trust, turning to his childhood friends in his hometown of Setauket, New York, including Abraham Woodhall, who became Samuel Culper, Sr., codenamed 722. He was a simple farmer, unsuspected to be a spy. Later, he had frequent trips into New York, which made him suspicious of the British. So they recruited a relative, Robert Townsend, also known as Culper, Jr., Culper, Sr., Culper, Jr. He was a merchant in New York, and his codename was 723. So we had 721, 722, now we have 723. The story goes that Robert Townsend, Culper Jr., was in love with our mysterious Agent 355. It's said that he posed as a Tory journalist, a Tory being a supporter of the British, and that's how he was able to move around and gather intelligence. Also, we had Austin Rowe, a pub owner, who was able to go in and out of New York to get supplies, seeing as he owned a pub. He was, drumroll, 724. We see a trend here. Then we had Caleb Brewster. He was a whaleboat captain who agreed to be a courier and send in relay messages. He was, that's right, you guessed it, 725.
1: What do you think of the code names so far, Dad? Well, it—it it, it, as you said it, if you have 721, 722, and 725, 726, that means you know there's some people to find. You know there's other people there. So obviously, if one gets caught, it would be easier to find the next or you know you have to find others because there's others around. So it's not so random. On the other hand, it makes it easier for, I would say, bookkeeping because in, there was no computers in those days. So I suppose to keep track of everybody. Mm-hmm. Did each one know there were others? That is not 100% clear, although some of them did work together as a network. Right. And then when you're working as a network, it has other problems and we'll probably discuss that later.
0: I'm reminded of this thing that was like a, a joke in my senior year that was this legendary senior prank, which is you release two pigs <laughs> into the school and then they have to catch them. And on one pig, the number one is drawn and then the other pig, the number three is drawn. And so eventually, obviously, supposedly the idea is that they would catch the two pigs. But then we have one and three. But where's two? But there was never a, a number two pig released. But it creates that mystery. So I'm wondering, you know, you have 721, 722, 723 and they all corresponded to a person. I mean, you'd think maybe it would have been thought to like leave some blanks just to confuse things potentially.
1: I don't know about the pigs <laughs> because that's a prank in your school. And I Well, it I, never actually
0: happened to be okay, clear. Oh, so, someone does not
1: account and they went from one to three. What school did you go to, by the way, that did not account? But that, that's beside the point. Um, I probably sent you there, so that was my problem. Uh, but that's not the issue. The issue is you're right. If each one knew he has a specific number, then everybody knows he has a number. The pigs didn't know there was number The pigs Those didn't, didn't know, they know there were number two. No. They didn't know the number <laughs> no. But if everybody else knew about everybody else, you have a network. When you have a network, one falls, probably most of them fall. And that's right. one of the big dangers when you have running networks. I
0: think one of the brilliant things about the Soviet networks during the Cold War era is that they were not so centralized. Like each group operated kind of in its own kind of little cell, right? And that gave it more protection so instead of one fell. That's what you do.
1: Yeah. But if you have one handler who handles them all on this, in this case, there was one guy that handled them all. Yeah, one guy on the top, yeah. And he, and he was the one that knows everything. Then here's your link, weakest link. Right. Because he can reveal everybody. And but to get to the guy on top is... It's uh, not so difficult in those days because, you know... It's a person. <laughs> it's a person and they didn't report to two other people that reported to two other people or another mm-hmm. person. So it wasn't it's not clear even today how direct was the contact between the guy in the top and the actual people. Right. I mean
0: Benjamin Tallmadge, who was the head, the chief spy, you know, he reported to, to Washington, but he wasn't the guy going out into the field. So already we have this designation of roles as well. And I suppose, to be a little bit more morbid about it, if you would lose people, you wouldn't necessarily replace those numbers because they might still be relevant. So then you would get those holes and the opponents might not necessarily know that those numbers are gone. Anyway, pigs.
1: (laughs) We'll leave those, uh, we'll put them on the side.
0: (laughs) Right, so back to the Culper Ring, as this spy network was called. So Talmage creates the Culper Code to send messages. As we've been discussing, it was a list of 763 numbers representing words, places, and names. In order of the alphabet, 1 through 41 were words that started with the letter A. 42 to 72 were words that started with the letter B. So, for instance, I don't remember which one it was exactly, but, you know, if you go to the list, let's say number 32 would be ammo, which would be a relevant word that they might use in that time. And so instead of writing ammo, you could just write 32. And then maybe B, you would write 47. So 32, being brought to 47, and 47 would be Boston, let's say. So then you know that ammo is being brought to Boston, et cetera, et cetera. Until we get to 711. Now, 711 through 726 were proper names, as we've been discussing above. You know, specific agents, specific people. Now, spies were what they were called. The term agent is anachronistic but uh, for our modern times, it's kind of helpful to maybe use that term. So they were coded at 700 plus, right? So 711 to 726. Without having this number code, you really would not know what the numbers meant unless you managed to crack it somehow, which I'm sure people might have tried if they had access to it. I mean, you you have the, the Turing code, for instance, in World War II and everything. I mean, one of the things I love is that the Americans used um, Navajo languages in World War II because there were so few Navajo speakers and you had the Navajo codebreakers. breakers. Very cool stuff. Yeah. Correct. So Very clever as well. Coding is uh, very important. And better than that, they devised something better than those limeys, as, as the British were called back then. My apologies Danny. British person taking offense to that term the British used lemon and lime juice hence maybe why they were called limies. I don't know maybe not but uh they used that for their invisible ink which was revealed when heated now the Culper ring wanted to one-up the british and so they hired a doctor with access to certain medicines to create a unique invisible ink from gallic acid which was only revealed when ferrous sulfide was rubbed over the parchment so this is a much more complex invisible ink kind of thing though that said if you receive a parcel with a bunch of letters rolled up in a courier and there's nothing written on them i think you'll suspect something's there and you'll try to find a way but
1: you know looking i'm I'm listening to what you're saying and i was uh, did some research on it from to think to see more about this and it's not clear to me a hundred percent where the messages went to and who got the final paper in a readable situation mm-hmm. so if we go back to the your, your first statement in Washington he got a message a, pa- a, a letter coming from someone mm-hmm. who already felt safe to write something but it wasn't in ink or anything like that I mean he had to take it rewrite it Or he actually gave the message as is. Not 100% clear as well if everyone in the network knew how to use these equipment. Or or was this only used to go from, let's say, from uh, Benjamin to Washington, or from Benjamin to somewhere else, or to Benjamin? So did every one of the agents use this? Uh, It's not clear. So again, we're using the term agents or or whatever, but I do want to specify that like
0: the numbered 711 through 726, the spies, let's call them more traditionally, I would say they probably were aware of the code. Maybe they didn't have the full breakdown of the code, and we have no way of knowing this. No, but the did they have the, the ink? And did all of them use ink? No, I don't think so. I don't, think, I so. don't I think so. I think, I think um, you know, certain information was related to certain people, and they were the, the writers of the different things. But again, we have no way of specifically knowing this. Whereas if we use our anachronistic term of agent, people who may be working with these named spies,
1: they wouldn't know this for sure. Because if one gets caught right with this equipment correct it's then, all then gone. then the then the british will know that this equipment exactly. is used and then they'll look for it at the next people and be able to reveal very quickly and what by was equipment written. you mean
0: cipher right the the code
1: they will the moment they get it and they'll you know they, they tortured people It wasn't amnesty wasn't around then and i mean there were there were rules of law as well, we'll well, come the rules law. you tell me what you know or <laughs> we, we hang you or we we chop off something i mean it was certainly something. more barbaric yes yes it wasn't very polite It was not very polite. Uh, Sat on a high chair. Right. Again, it's not clear who used it and at what stage of the message delivery was it used. I would think that the agent's you had to train them as well to do it. And that's not clear as well if that, that happened. Well, training as or we've spying. come... Look, it was, as as it was, we've been exploring yes. throughout all of our, our podcast
0: episodes so far, training, especially in the past, before kind of formalized things were established, was very minimal a lot of times. Especially now if you look at, at this situation where we have the Revolutionary War, it thrust upon it, you know, there wasn't necessarily a big run-up to this where people were planning. And, and so we created the spy network on the fly, um, we need this recruiting people. Don't have time to train. You got a you know trial by fire kind of situation.
1: Look, he had to invent a lot of things. One yeah. of the most important things he decided, the first, uh, Benjamin I'm talking about, mm-hmm. that he is going to use only people he trusts. He's not going to take a lot of people. He's only going to take people from his hometown, people who he knows will be loyal to him in some ways. Right. Who will not betray him? Because obviously at that stage, everybody was could be betrayed or or. Turned, sure and he decided not to, so right. he only used very specific people,
0: and not a lot of them again seven yes. eleven to seven twenty six the named spies now again, the agent term being anachronistic, maybe there were people helping them on different things, but the official spies not now maybe the they
1: had they or, or they had other people telling him things or they were sure. seeing things right now uh he recruited them, you could say, and they were willing to work with him. Mm-hmm. And that for him, he was that's the security that he needed. Right. The next thing he said, okay, how am I making it more secure? Mm-hmm. Because I'm passing on messages, not verbally. That means I'm sending a message onwards. I have to protect the message, because otherwise, why, do, why write all these things? Right. Why use codes? So the codes, you would say, are not for him. The codes are not for the spies. The codes are to make sure that the decision-makers, Washington and other people, will not reveal, by mistake, the source. So it, it's the not numbers... Just,
0: it's not just that. It's,
1: it's for security, as, as but, you but said. If, but the security... When I'm looking at it from the security, why do you give codes to people? Or why do you do it? Because the, end, the person in the end who reads it, he, by mistake, might reveal who it's coming from. And you have to keep the person in a way where he's protected. Mm-hmm. So, cause then if I'm looking, okay, you send a letter, you could have said the name, what does it make a difference? It makes a difference if the courier gets caught with it, it gets revealed.
0: Which is exactly a point that we're gonna talk about right now. While they were still developing all of this techniques and everything, before they had the coded messages, there was a laborer in New York named Higday, and he helped free some prisoners, and he smuggled them across the river, some revolutionary officers and word reached George Washington of his deeds and he notified Benjamin Tallmadge when he was forming the Culper Ring to bring in this guy Higday right now this correspondence between the two was then captured by the British in a letter taken off Benjamin Tallmadge's horse saddle when they were ambushed and Benjamin Tallmadge got away but the letter was left on the horse saddle which in the letter it named Higday now, what happened to Hig Day? Unfortunately, he was later arrested, and we don't really know what happened to him afterwards. But, but it shows we, you again we a little why- bit, We'll talk about that later. So anyway, that led to the implementation of the Cypher Code. You know, we don't want to name people. And actually, George Washington was very adamant later that he did
1: not want to know the real names of the people involved. Exactly, because you know, you as a leader, as a decision maker, one, it might influence your decision if you know it, someone you know. right. And that is something you don't want to take in consideration when you make a decision at any level. And the second, you don't want, if it falls into the wrong hands, you don't want them to know who your agent is. Right. So if you're looking at that from point of view, the codes were used more to make sure that the person who actually sees information has to act upon it, doesn't reveal by mistake who it is. For sure. Now, even in today's world, it is done because leaders, and I won't mention names by mistake, might reveal information that other governments and other agencies will not be happy it revealed. Let's um, – <laughs> we'll, We will continue. <laughs> we're, we're making looks at each other as if we know who we're referencing, which I we're think we do. But we're not referencing anyone. The not particular anyone in leaders. Particular.
0: Okay. Um, you play golf, by the way? All right. Um, moving on. So, how might the pipeline of information have occurred? Information was often gathered by Culper Jr. or Culper Sr. in the beginning, and it was then curried or smuggled to Culper Sr. in Setauket, then smuggled out of New York by people like uh, Brewster, the whaleboat captain, to Connecticut. Then a horse rider would get that information and bring it to George Washington, potentially through other you know, people, but essentially it would, it would get there after it was in safe hands. Also, messages were sent through newspapers, coded messages. Today, all of the Culper Ring spies' names are known, except for one, Agent 355. Now, there are 190 Culper spy letters that exist today that can be read. But who was Agent 355? Remember, we're, that, that was kind of the topic, we kind of got sidetracked, so I mean, who was Agent 355? Do you have any theories? You don't have to share them right now, but do you have ideas, strong opinions on this matter?
1: <coughs> Let's continue.
0: No strong opinions, or I you want to, to save them opinions. till later?
1: I'll save some of mine until later. Okay, all right. Well,
0: okay. So, 355. Who was this Agent 355, or Spy 355? Because who as we wasn't know, she? Or who wasn't she is maybe a more interesting thing. Well, she worked with the Culper Ring, this much we know from the letter, during the Revolutionary War. She was most likely some kind of spy, agent, uh, more understanding for our words, recruited by Woodhall, So Culper Sr. The clues in the code might give us some direction. So 355 in the code meant the word lady. 701 meant the word woman. 351, for instance, meant lord. 599, for instance, meant servant. So what does that tell us? Well, it's lady and not woman, right? So, lady in that time rather than woman connotates class or a certain social status, someone higher. You know, this isn't a, a maid or a girl, it's a lady, right? So, that gives us some clues maybe as to who this person might be. Also, A355 is said in the letter rather than only 355, meaning a lady,
1: rather than just lady. What does that tell us? You think it's more than one? Or is it referring, it's a way to trick you to think it's only one, but actually there's more than one?
0: My opinion, and I don't know if I should share it
1: now or later,
0: is, I mean, I don't know, should I share it now or later? I don't know, what do you think? <laughs> we share it now and we'll contradict it later. <laughs> okay, all right, well, I mean... My thing is the lady thing, so I'm I'm assuming it's referring to some upper class woman for sure. But then the A lady and the fact that it's 355, the numbering that it's used and all the information that we have that we're going to explore later seems to me to indicate that it was a person that they were in contact with. I think the letter is referring to a specific lady at that time. But I don't think there was ever an agent 355, a spy 355 that was an official kind of like the seven numbers you know, I think they had a network of people that they used and we're going to be exploring all of them. But there wasn't one specific person who was the agent. I think they got their sources from other things, one of whom was a lady who was very resourceful for sure. That's okay. my, my theory. Good.
1: Well, I think it uh,
0: has merit. But Let's continue. <laughs> so let's continue because we jumped the gun here. All right. So this 355 figure, uh, referred in the letter at least – would have been likely living in New York or very frequently there. They played a prominent role in exposing the American Revolutionary officer, Benedict Arnold, as a traitor. Essentially, he was an officer for the American Revolution, fighting for the American independence, who later betrayed the revolution and tried to make a deal with the head of British intelligence in the United States, a British officer named John Andre. Now... 355 must have been close to John Andre, who was known to have a weakness for women. Now, that's not to say he was a a philanderer, but he had a soft spot in his heart for women. it was a different time. Of course, he thought women were oh so dainty and fair and not particularly capable of many things. So he was gentle to them, let's say, and not as cautious around them. They were the less capable sort in his mind. He,
1: He allowed himself to be more open about things that he was doing and boasting about it not fearing that actually he should be more careful about what he says next to her. Right. And that is that is known as a fact. That is a fact, yes.
0: Now, when Andre would leave New York, the spy ring info seemed to cease to be useful or certainly the usefulness of it diminished greatly. And when he returned, it became useful again. This is known facts. So these things together seem to indicate 355 was a person who might have had close correspondence or proximity to
1: John Andre. Well, that's a very important information because in today's world, you would say there was something in the room that broadcast and gave information. The moment the person left the room, nothing was broadcast and therefore there was the no city, information. Yes. Yeah. So in this case, we're talking about a lady. A lady, because we know it's not a man. Not a, a lady. woman, not a servant, not a maid, but a lady. We're calling her a lady. Well, that's what the code called her. Okay. A, a, a person who he felt comfortable enough to talk to. Now, the question again will be asked, or had proximity enough to hear, or hear, because yes, there is talking about hearing things. But it is interesting as well, how easy she was able to move in and out from his house to deliver the information. Because if it's someone who's a domestic servant, or someone who has to explain why she is going certain places, the ability to come in and out and Revealed information is much bigger. Now, does she write it in a code? I doubt that she ever wrote anything in a code. She just spoke verbally. She spoke to Culper Sr. or Jr. or whoever was. We don't know who she did, but she spoke to someone who then passed the message onwards. Right. Now, did that person mention, did he write it in a code or gave it as well verbally? And then only when it moved to, to Washington, it was given a code. We don't know that. We don't know if the people in the middle knew that she was three five five or the three five five was only a code to get to Washington so that he knows that this is the reliability of this information. Three five five is someone close to the head of the intelligence. Therefore, any it's information British that comes intelligence. from the intelligence, therefore any information that comes from her, as he mentioned specifically that he's hoping to get information from her or from that source is the one they're waiting for, because that's what he said in his first chapter. That means they valued very much the information that she was able to bring. I intend to visit 727, New York, before long and think by
0: the assistance of a 355, of a lady, of my acquaintance
1: shall be able to outwit them all. That's the letter. That's the only direct reference we have. Yes. That means that he had to, as well, come and see her. He felt that it's okay to meet her, someone that she felt comfortable to be with. And he was not seen in the premises, because if he would be seen there, that wouldn't have been a clever thing to do or the right thing to do. The American chief spy in New York. No, you don't go into his house and knock on the door. So that means this lady didn't live there. Live where? In with the with the with the chief, the British head of intelligence, because obviously, it would have been more is not so flexible for her to move in and out. But, but if while she was he a lady, was there, she'd be able to... she move, move in and out. So mm-hmm. she, so you would say she's not a domestic worker. Right. Well,
0: maybe. We're, we're jumping, because there's some theories. So I know. Let, let's get to the
1: theories in a get second. Get to the theories, and then I'll... I'll because I'll, I'll, there's a
0: lot of very interesting things to, okay. uh, to discuss. Okay, so the story goes, the myth goes, that uh, a pregnant Agent 355 was eventually arrested and held prisoner on a British ship, where she may have given birth to a boy... Some say Robert Townsend Jr.'s son or daughter, we don't know. Now, did she die on the ship? We don't know. There are many who disagree with this because, well, a number of reasons. Women were not kept on prisoner ships, and there were no records of a birth on a ship. Now, the British were quite diligent record keepers, but then again, as we all know, sometimes people like to omit certain details that are not as flattering. There was also a letter not directly referencing to 355, though some have said that it corresponds to her, that after a number of arrests in New York, a letter was written that said, one who hath been ever serviceable to this correspondence was captured. So, is that referencing 355? Maybe, we don't have the exact number, but there have been statements that that is in reference to that 355. Now, when 355 was captured, Robert Townsend Jr, who may have been the father of her child, stole from a bunch of businesses he had connections to, including his own father's, and vowed to stop spying. Why did he steal? Cuz he wanted to pay a ransom supposedly to free Agent 355, who he was presumably in love with. So in 10 days he gathered 600 pounds, which was the equivalent to about $156,000. dollars. excuse me, to pay for 355's release. Apparently, after 355's death, which, as we've said, is rumored to have happened, Robert Thompson Jr. became depressed and uh, lived life as an alcoholic. So that's really all we have. We have those two mentions, Woodhall informing um, Chief Intelligence Talmadge of the arrest of several our dear friends, including one who hath been ever serviceable to this correspondence, maybe Agent 355, and the letter we read in the beginning, and again,
1: a few minutes ago.
0: Of the 193 surviving letters written by the Culper Ring, only one directly contains reference to any woman specifically.
1: This woman you were talking about, how many other children did she have? Agent 355? No, the one that was pregnant. We don't know. No. There's there's theories, right? Okay. No, but there's one woman there that, okay. Let's... Yeah, yeah, well,
0: we'll get to the people. So right. before we get to the specific candidates uh, that we have lined up behind okay. door number one, two, three, et cetera, There's just one final figure to kind of just uh, address in this whole mystery, and that's John Andre, the major in the British Army, and he was the head of the British espionage in New York. He's key to understanding who might have been Agent 355. So when he was in New York, the Culper Ring had lots of intel. When he was out, the info stopped. When he returned back, of course, the info came back again. Now, he negotiated with Benedict Arnold to surrender West Point, which was a military base, for £20,000, about $4 million in today's money. And that was the big betrayal that Agent 355 was involved in helping to find out about. After the information reached Washington because of Agent 355's uh, actions, Andre was actually captured. He was arrested and At that point, the British then rounded up a bunch of suspects in New York and the Culper Ring hid till things cooled down because they realized that obviously there was a leak in information somehow. Agent 355's leaked information helped lead to John Andre's capture on neutral grounds while he was carrying documents with the plans of the capture of West Point on him. So, not good to carry plans on you that incriminate you. Andre was later hanged. As we said, there was no remorse back in those days wasn't recruited to be a double agent. No, he was not recruited to be a
1: double agent. No, uh, uh, missed opportunity, right? Missed opportunity. Or he, he was potentially just too loyal to the cause, right? Maybe, but that was part of the engagement at the time.
0: Or you could think that Benedict Arnold could have been um, recruited as a we double agent. We don't know agent. what
1: Benedict Arnold was, happened to him, do we? Uh, well, he was also off with his head. I
0: mean, I don't know if they killed him, but he was... You know, He didn't get the money. He didn't get the money. He didn't get <laughs> off easy. And West Point uh, never... West Point did not fall. No. Exactly. No. no. Okay. So uh, So who are our candidates okay. for Agent 355? Finally, right. we're there. We have Anna Strong. She's highly suspected to have been 355. Anna Strong presented herself as a Tory loyalist. Remember Tory? That means supporting yeah. of the British crown. She was a neighbor of Abraham Woodhall. Culper Sr. and accompanied him on occasion to New York. Now, the theory is she might have diverted attention from Woodhall on his trips. Or was she simply traveling to New York to visit her husband? Now, her husband was also a patriot and involved in the Culper Ring. He was eventually captured and held on a British prison ship. Anna was able to get aboard to feed him. Maybe that's why it was identified at one point that there was a woman on board of a prison ship because she was there to feed him. Was she pregnant? Did she give birth on a ship? She had 10 children over her lifetime, so that's quite a lot. Maybe she was. Maybe that's how the story goes, or the story evolved. Anna managed to get her husband paroled due to contacts with her Tory relatives. So she did have contacts with Tory relatives, so maybe that's how she was able to get information. That's why she was 355, maybe. It's said that Anna's role in the Culper Ring was to relay signals, however, about the location of smuggler landings by Caleb Brewster our smuggler to Woodhall and a nearby farm. There were 6 different coves for secret landings and she would hang her black petticoat on her clothesline, which was visible from the water and Woodhall's nearby farm, and then she would add a number of handkerchiefs depending on which of the 6 coves was safest to use for the smuggler landing. So this whole clothesline signal thing is a great story, but it's not confirmed by anywhere. Her husband was also on a list to be reimbursed by Washington after the war for his service. So speculation exists if maybe it was actually for Anna, since the husband was imprisoned during the time period related to the payments, as we said earlier. Or was the payments simply for his services and the fact that he was imprisoned? These are all questions. The big question mark on if she was 355, would she really have been likely to have been a companion or frequent company of John Andre, who was an eligible bachelor, at one point design, named the most eligible bachelor in New York, and had the most beautiful and desirable women and socialites in New York frequenting his uh, companionship? I mean, she was the wife of some guy in prison and the mother of 10 children, and she was visiting from Setauket. I don't know, it seems a little unlikely in my mind, even though a lot of historians have said that she was the most likely candidate for 355. She was from a well-to-do family, so it would have been designated to call her a lady. Sure.
1: Thoughts? If you have so many opportunities, the first thing that will come in mind is not a, a woman that has 10 children. Even though the opportunity is there because her husband is in prison, so therefore there's no one she has to answer to at that time. Now, if you get pregnant, I don't go in there. But you need at those times at least you need the two people to get pregnant. Oh, so, you're saying that maybe she was
0: became pregnant by not her husband, and maybe let's say John Andre. Let's say maybe. Okay, interesting we don't theory. Know.
1: I mean, that's just we don't know what stage of pregnancy she was in. But if she gave birth, that means it's nine months. If you look at it, nine months. That means when she gave the information, she was pregnant already. Because uh, she was not held in the prison in the ship for, for six months before she died. We don't know that. Well, she wasn't held. So she wasn't held. So this is where the
0: conflating stories come in because there were other women and different things. But she gave birth Agent on the ship. Stuff. Maybe if, if we don't give know birth. this.
1: Okay. But this, I don't is, wanna, this is mixing rumors and I don't want to dig in. into that bit, but I just want to raise questions from that aspect of it just to confuse the situation. <laughs> but my thinking would be that a person... Like Andre would probably have... John Andre. Yeah, yeah, John Andre would probably have other women that he could have had a relationship with that maybe were not so engaged with children and pregnancy. She, She seems an unlikely candidate. I mean, we're not saying that John
0: Andre had a relationship with Agent 355 in a sexual sense, but it seems unlikely, in my mind anyway, and I think in your mind too, that a person whose husband was imprisoned on a ship he was still the British chief of intelligence so maybe he would have known this would socialize with some woman who had
1: 10 children and was traveling I mean it just it doesn't seem likely she's not a socialite because if he the, look, you have to look at sort of the kind of information that she was getting if it was something that everybody relied on that means it's something that and she wasn't living in New York she was she wasn't living she was visiting and she should have only visited when he was around it is possible it was her but let's see the other candidates right so I uh,
0: my theory on her is that she was definitely a valuable let's call it asset because maybe that would be a more apt term for the time period to the culpa ring and she helped and probably with the smuggling thing maybe clothesline thing maybe happened maybe didn't but that's how she was involved and the story of her pregnancy and on the boat eventually got conflated to maybe create the mythos around this singular agent 355 Our next candidate is a woman named Sarah Sally Townsend. She was the sister of Robert Townsend Culpert Jr., 723. Now, the British officers were stationed in the Townsend's New York home, and John Andre was a frequent visitor there. One British officer named Simcoe was in love with Sarah, and he wrote her a letter asking her to be his valentine. This is actually supposed to be the first ever U.S. Valentine's letter that we have in the United States. Unfortunately for Simcoe, Sarah did not choose him. But it was a very difficult decision with words such as, Fairest maid, where all is fair, beauty's pride and nature's care. To you, my heart, I must resign. Oh, choose me for your valentine. Love, mighty God, thou knowest full well where all thy mother's graces dwell, where thy inhabit and combine to fix thy power with spells divine. Thou knowest what powerful magic lies within the round of Sarah's eyes. It goes on and on for a bit, but uh, that was part of his Valentine's letter, if you didn't guess by now. Now, it would have been easy for Sarah to overhear information and pass it along to her brother. As the stories go, she once overheard how Andre and Simcoe were discussing how the British would capture West Point due to a traitorous turncoat American officer, Benedict Arnold. That seems like a a pretty convincing correlation to me. Now, since the officers were stationed in the Townsend's home, they were clearly a well-to-do family. You wouldn't station officers in a modest home, right? Not not back then, anyway. Making Sarah more likely to be called a lady rather than a woman. Also, finally, in the Raynham Hall Museum, they feature a preserved window pane where a British officer scratched messages to the adorable Miss Sally Townsend, which seems to indicate that she was a, a rather desirable lady. Now, after her death, Sarah still had Simcoe's letter in her possession. Was she 355? To me, Sarah is probably the best candidate. I agree. And all the other stories get conflated, I think, with other things, and they might have assisted with different aspects of spying. I, I, spy. I, I
1: I would put it in a different way. I would say if you now had to run an, a network and you mm-hmm. had to now choose where's the best place to get information from, yeah. and where would you go to, and who would be most, had the best chances of getting information that others won't. Now, you have here one, an opportunity, two, accessibility, three, she has her natural talents that she uh, had that enabled other people to want her company. And four, it's something that is legitimate. She had a house where they were staying. She didn't have to go somewhere. They came to her. That means that anyone could come there or she could go out. And when the people were not there, she had no information because there was no one to talk to. Now, if she had lovers or people who were pursuing her, obviously, with a couple of nice words, she could get information out of them. Like, it's very possible to do and if you look about her brother then being very upset about things okay we don't know if it's one what happened there if it's connected but and but she did live afterwards so she was not as far as i know she was not one of the people who was rounded up or was she she did not
0: die we don't know if she was rounded up or what potential momentary in, in capture she might have experienced but there's but when certainly the british,
1: when the british decided to capture everybody she was not one of the people. That she was she not, was not as the far list. as we know, she was know. not
0: on the list yeah. of people. I mean, to me, as you said, it it's like, what's the thing about murder? You need the the motive, and you need the the opportunity, and you need you know the access, and all this kind of stuff. So to me, those those things that you just said, it they really fit. Wouldn't be hard. She was in the house where the officers were. Andre was a frequent visitor. Her brother was part of the network. She could overhear things. She could tell her brother. It wasn't suspect because she was there. She was charming. She was elegant. She was a lady. Easy. It fits. She maybe didn't even have to work that hard. You know, old no, houses. She didn't have to do anything. She just old had houses to, you know, with
1: wooden walls. I mean, I don't know how. No, you're know, just talking to the guy. You know what's happening, what's new, and he would spill the, spill the beans. Or overhear things, happens. you yes. know, also yes. potentially not yes. that difficult. So yes.
0: to me, she is definitely... A very good candidate. Very good candidate. And 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 if she wasn't,
1: she should have been recruited.
0: I mean, I'm sure she got, I'm sure sure she she passed some information information. to her brother. Okay. Right. And also she clearly had potentially mixed loyalties here because she didn't go with Simcoe, who was an eligible bachelor as well and all this kind of stuff. Nice Valentine's letter. But she kept the letter. Right, So maybe in her heart she was conflicted. She wanted to maybe be with him, but because he was a Tory, he was British. But her loyalties in her mind were for the
1: patriots and the revolution. So or she might have that. kept the letter to show that she is a loyalist, but actually she isn't, just to show, to prove it. Maybe. It could be played different ways. Maybe. But we'll, sometimes we're too, much, we're too sophisticated, and <laughs> I don't think we have to be too sophisticated in this. This was an amateur, in a way, network. It wasn't a sophisticated network. It was people he trusted. Right. It's people he, he didn't have time too much to train because right. they were not like in a spy school and they had uh, three months or six months of going right. through things. He had to be. He had to find people that he knew when we betray him, and he wants to keep it a close fit and closer I, to him. It's it's not as you say. It's not like the Pinkertons
0: later yes. with with Lincoln who right. he had like resources and he hired the best people from like detectives right. and this and that and That's private different. organization. Different situation. So I would
1: say. Very good candidate, fits all the the Very older, good candidate, older. I would say. That
0: said, I still don't believe Agent 355 was a singular individual. I don't think there was an Agent 355. Okay. I think but, there was a useful lady, among other useful ladies. But let's get on to our next candidate for okay. Agent 355, Elizabeth Bergen. Now, she was a war widow with three children who had often brought food to patriot prisoners on British ships in New York. Aha, we have the ship aspect, which we didn't just have With our lovely Sally, she was contacted by a laborer in New York named Higday, as I said earlier, our friend Higday, who helped free prisoners. Unfortunately, when Higday was later arrested because of the message being intercepted, Higday's wife told the British about Elizabeth Bergen attempting to help her husband. Elizabeth had to flee the city to avoid getting caught, and there was a 200-pound ransom for her capture. It's said that her efforts had, by some accounts, helped free 200 Patriot prisoners from warships. Now, how was this done? It has not been revealed to this day. Was it that she helped them by simply feeding them, or did she distract guards, or open locks, or hide things in food that she was bringing them? All we know is that accounts say that she went to feed people on British ships, and it's said that she helped 200 Patriots. We don't know how. Another mystery. She was awarded a pension by George Washington for her services. That said, we have no reason to believe that she had any contact with John Andre or the Culpa Ring after it was formed. Again, the whole message was intercepted beforehand. But that said, people still do think that Elizabeth Bergen is potentially a candidate, and I can see why. She was in New York, at least. More access to John Andre, that's say. She was on the prisoner ships. She helped do a bunch of stuff. But again, we have this problem of here's a widow with three children again, caught up in a little controversy with things later, maybe before she could have had contact with John Andre. How? We don't exactly know. If she was bringing food to prisoners, that means she was well off. So she might've had extra resources. So she might've been considered
1: a lady and not just a woman. What do you think? Well, she is a good candidate in some ways, but it doesn't fit some of the the time schedule you're looking at. And the connections and the contacts, because if you look again at the specific paper that we're looking at, mm-hmm. someone who has reliable and capabilities of getting information that is necessary for a specific time. I mean, he is going to New York to and speak. And by the assistance of, of a 355,
0: my acquaintance shall be able to outwit them all.
1: Yes. And I don't see her in that
0: category. Again, I would see her more as an asset, yes, a person, but not as the Agent Three Five Five kind of correct ingenue. Let's let's call it. Yes, you have any others? But maybe not. Maybe she is. You we don't know. Have other? Candidates? I have two more candidates. Two more. <laughs> I know. We're 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 going through them. Okay. We have Lydia Dara. Now in, ni- in sorry in nineteen that's a lot. <laughs> very old lady. No, in seventeen seventy six during secret meetings at her home in Philadelphia not New York, she overheard John Andre talking of an attack on Washington. Now, why was this meeting happening in her home? Because Lydia Dara's husband was a Tory loyalist. Lydia Dara, on the other hand, was not. Eavesdropping at the door, she relayed messages that reached Washington, who prepared for an attack. She would presumably hide messages under large covered buttons on scraps of paper with her younger son, who would then deliver them to his elder brother, who served in the American Revolutionary Army. This is a very messy war, families torn and this and that. Now, John Andre later went to question everyone at the Dara household after the leak, except Lydia, since he believed that all women held the same values and views as their husbands. And her husband was a Tory, hence that John Andre soft spot for
1: women. What do you think? Is she a candidate? Obviously, she wouldn't have been a candidate, otherwise she wouldn't have been mentioned. (laughs) But again, it brings us to the theory that it's not one person. It
0: does. And and the biggest flaw for her candidacy, I would say, is that her home was in Philadelphia. Yes. Whereas in the letter, and again, he's going to New York. again, using the
1: children with buttons and sending messages. I think the specific messages that were received were received verbally from someone who heard them. And not from a third because
0: of the To me, Sally, you know, it, it yeah. also connects then later with her brother yes. being enraged potentially yes. if she was in danger in a ransom, all that kind of stuff. And maybe, yeah. you know, maybe the information that we don't have, you know, let's create the Hollywood best-selling screenplay, which is she gets captured and rounded up afterwards as a suspect. He rounds up all that money and he goes to Simcoe, the British officer who loves her. And through Simcoe's strings pulling, he's able to get Sally away. But, alas, starstruck lovers unable to unite their love never, never came to. You know, so many things fall in place when you have Sarah. Last candidate, please. <laughs>
1: you don't like my uh, ruminescing? No, my ruminescing. I do like it, but my, I think my, we're uh, we my guessing. To, we want to get to to understand who done it.
0: Who done it? Who who done done it? So Lydia Dara, I think, is a lovely asset for the Culpa Ring but not Agent 355. And again, as I've said numerous times at this point, I don't think there was a singular Agent 355. I think it was different people doing different things. Our final candidate is a woman named Elizabeth Liz. She was the former slave of the Townsend family. Now, in the massively accurate historical television show turn, Washington Spies, the TV show casts her in a major espionage role. As I said, she was the former slave of the Townsend family. She escaped due to help from an abolitionist British colonel, but was enslaved again by an unknown person at the same time Townsend became the chief spymaster in Manhattan. It's been suggested that she was a mole among the British, unnoticed and given intel back to Townsend. But why would you give info to your former slave master? Apparently, when Liz was sold, it was to a brutal owner, and Townsend brought her back. Was she actually freed? Was her escape a ruse? Does TV know best? Does turn Washington spies tell an accurate story? What do you think of her as a candidate? I don't. I mean, to me, the biggest glaring thing here is the lady aspect. Not to mince words, but I don't think at that time she would have been referred to as
1: a lady unless it was a code. No, it's not specifically lady. I don't think she had the, the ear of Andre. I don't think that she would be in a position to get crucial information that's useful. Well, let me enough. devil's advocate
0: you. She's scrubbing in the corner because she's a slave, and no one takes notice of her, especially Andre, because she's a woman, or she's serving them tea. You know, because they need tea. I, it's, it's,
1: it's nice in the novels. It's nice, but I don't think I. I wouldn't think that's you based your uh, all your you don't have a good you don't use up the whole number on on a, on a coincidental information you might get from someone scrubbing a floor at that period in my opinion that's not what but you're the number
0: for. wasn't a specific person i mean the number is not that's why 355 I've, is not the 7 you know 26s and things it's, it's there's a reason
1: why they were never found who the person was it person, because it opinion. wasn't one person because it wasn't one person you agree with me i I would say it's there was one leader that was the biggest maybe, candidate the for biggest it. candidate, and if it's not her, they use that as a to say for a number of reasons as well maybe they didn't want to show that they're using women right as well onwards for different reasons it's different times different period women were not maybe seen at that time as right. someone that they could um rely on so why give it why use uh, rely on on one one woman but i think that the fact that they got the information and they got the good information is correct was the 355 a specific person i would think that it refers to the women information and not a specific woman information i would say in that letter he's referring to a specific woman Yes.
0: Was that specific woman an agent? No. Was she an asset? A person that they had used frequently? Yes. Was there an agent 355? No. There were lots of women who did lots of really important work and amazing things. In that particular letter, he's referring to one of them.
1: I'll ask you this summary from all the people that all the ladies that you mentioned, which yeah. one of the ladies do you think would have brought in the most and best information? Sally. Okay. Hands down. Okay. Then. Would she have a number? Why shouldn't she have a number? She would have a number if she was an agent, if she was a spy, if she She was deemed she brought in information. She had all the capabilities to bring in information. She had all the opportunities, all the right connections, the right place, everything ticks the boxes. Why didn't she have a specific number? That I don't know. Did she have a specific number? Is that her number? Then what about all the other women? Why did not they, they did not get a number? Another question mark. I don't know. So all we can say, she is the woman, 355, or we could say the 355 relates to kind of source. And the source is a lady, meaning the specific women who are able to bring information. I mean, I don't know what the number for- And me- then, you, then you mix it up with pregnancy right. and ships and everything together.
0: Look, I don't know what the number was for gentlemen, right? But it could have just as easily been, I went to New York and I will be through the assistance of- a gentleman, you know, seven—not seven, but like five to whatever—have well, out I, with them all, and I, then that in that instance, that would be referring to a specific gentleman who was assisting them. But that doesn't mean that that
1: gentleman was. I'll ask you another question from your re- research that you've done, or from what you've read. And just, I and just I didn't before see you
0: do it. that, just to close on Elizabeth. Um, you Liz, want to close it? The, okay. The, the slave. Uh, from my research, the only corroboration that I've found, also for her being involved, is from this TV show, which. I don't know what their okay. research is, but I'm sure they have more resources than me to research.
1: So anyway, that's what we know about her as well. Anyway, please continue. Okay. Yes. Well, do we know if occasionally other male informants were given a number or they're all put in like in a package and said, okay, these are people that I picked up information from somewhere You mean somewhere what else? we would call today as agents or, 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 or assets some, I, rather I, than because if Spice. everybody if you say everybody had a number, not everybody had a number. So was there like a bank of okay, all the people from this club will give it number seven. So all the names from that club will give it number nine. But no, what we understand is every number was specifically to a person, not to some well
0: males in a certain location. Not every number. Seven
1: eleven through seven twenty six.
0: Sorry, seven one one through seven twenty six, not seven eleven what we could buy at these days, but seven one one to seven twenty six which is 15 numbers, um, 17 if you include, 2, 6, and 11, right? were proper names, referred to proper. Those were the people that were maybe on a payroll officially were were like the people, right? Now, did they have contacts that they used and all those kind of
1: people and frequent contacts and were lines maybe blurred at certain points? That means that maybe, maybe, each one of them had more informants and more people, but they were like... Heading a network, Cells, let's call them. of four or five people. Sure, four or five people who gave them information. So you right. could say that maybe three, five, five was the lady cell. That any information that came from ladies was referred in, or women was referred to that agent to give it a certain color.
0: I mean, you could. You could.
1: You could also say woman,
0: right? I mean, let's let's take Lydia Dara for instance, who was in the home of Philadelphia, overheard, sent a message. Great. She's a contact. When she has something for her, for us, great. We'll call her. She's a lady. Yeah, but how was she referred to? What number? We don't know. She wasn't referred. But if you referred to her, you would say a lady in Philadelphia, right? So Philadelphia might have been 273. So 273, and I got a 355 from 273, you know, contact. And in that sense, it would be referring to Lydia. Anyway, I don't know.
1: It's uh, very good questions. Okay. What is your, you want to come to some conclusion, or you want me to <laughs> I, say what I think, not only in that aspect, but I want to bring the big question up. Because um, I have a big question to, bring, to, to raise and that, that comes from this from this discussion. Sure. I will say that an unknown British general qu-
0: was quoted as saying, Washington did not beat us militarily. He
1: simply outspied us.
0: Well, what what? I don't think he said what what. But. No,
1: but let me on on the serious note. On this yes. was serious. Yes. But if you want to summarize it in a certain way, the big question, you know, the big question, in my opinion, I would like to raise in this in this podcast is at what stage you decide that the intelligence that you gathered and you act upon will sacrifice your sources or your source. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the big question and the interesting question that was raised here, because what Washington did is he decided to act according to what the intelligence told him to. That means that he decided at a certain point that this information was too crucial mm-hmm. to let it go. He had to act upon it. Right. Now, by acting upon it, he actually showed he has assets. Exactly. Or he has someone who is mm-hmm. able to give him information. So he has to make a decision. Does he sacrifice all these assets because eventually what happened, the British rounded up all the people they thought were suspicious, all behind it. And therefore, since that moment, there was no more information coming in, no more intelligence. Now, he could have done something else and kept the intel. if he knew that the intelligence is there, maybe do something else to avoid the capture or avoid the suspicion. So the big question that that comes from here, and it wasn't mentioned anywhere, is at what stage did Washington, if at all, think... If I act, I'm going to sacrifice all the network I have there. Was it a ever a debate? And that's a very interesting question about it. Fascinating. We don't know. And it comes back again to using the codes. If he would have known who it is and he knew her, would he have made the same decision? Right. So by having codes and not making it personalizing it, it makes it easier for the decision maker to make the decision that is right on the merit of the information and not have any emotional decision making in his decision to do whatever he has to do. Even today, you want the decision made not to be done because someone knows someone, or he thinks sorry about it, or ah oh, she's pregnant, and you're going to now there's going to be ten uh, children without uh, orphans, or I'm going to there'll be a whole family wiped out, or the mm-hmm. whole village, or whatever. Big moral questions that. The British had to answer afterwards in in in, there, in Second World War when they had to decide what to do when you have information that could save lives. But, other, but on the other hand, you're going to jeopardize your sources. This is yeah. the big question here, in my opinion, the big question that Washington did not have to address at the time because he didn't need right. to. But if you look at the source of it, if you look at really where, where it leads to, it's you use codes to protect your agent. But if you will give information that afterwards sacrifices your agent's what does it mean? And I think this is the big question here in this story. Not only who's three five five, but was it worth sacrificing the whole network for that? Did that make a change and tip around the civil war? Was that a big difference that changed the morale or got the, someone well, who was very dangerous and got him out of position? And, with West and then, Point, that was huge, and I think that's why that was it was acted not on. It's huge and betrayal, and you're sending a message to everybody. And then again, you okay? Remember, there were Americans as well. So Andre was an American, wasn't a British officer, as far as I understand. Or no, was he? John British? Andre was British. British was British. British. Yeah. So he was replaced by another British officer. So do you have someone close to him? Apparently not. We don't know. But there's no story about okay, the next guy that was there, or the Americans felt strong enough that they didn't need to. So these questions are intelligence questions mm-hmm. that are asked from the intelligence information that you bring in. So it's not only the information that you bring in is how you react to it. And reacting to intelligence is an art. How you do it, what you do with it, how do you protect your assets? One thing is protecting them the way um, Benjamin did is making sure that they don't the information that's moved from one place to another is not compromised. The other thing is when you get the information, what do you do with it, and how do you protect your assets because of it? Right. Very good. There's, there's a wonderful scene, actually, in Darkest
0: Hour depicting uh, Churchill's decision to not act upon some information he receives during World War II about Germans going to bomb a naval ship. And one of the officers with him in the war room when he decides, you know, we can't act upon it because if we do, then they'll know that we've cracked the code, blah, blah, blah. And the officer, I think it was like their son or or something. His brother. Brother is on that ship. And so it's like, it highlights that dilemma that what do you do when you have the information? And of course, if he didn't know his brother was on that would be easier but you're still dealing with lives you know and yes difficult decisions to make very difficult decisions to make clearly they decided at that point that it was the correct thing to do to act upon the information they received and spoiler alert the american revolution won (laughs) (laughs) so i guess it was the right decision at the end of the day uh, in the long term right yes let me ask you some questions if I may, they recruited from their hometown. The culpa Ring is essentially made up of people, friends, who grew up together from their hometown. Unsuspecting agents, farmers, merchants, boatmen, simple folk. Does this, does this seem like a smart move to you? Recruit from the same people, simple people who might not have all the
1: skills that you might expect would be required? Well, what's
0: the advantages? What's the disadvantage there?
1: Well, we don't want to make this a big conversation or big discussion, but because we discussed a little bit on it bit right. earlier, but we have to remember the times. It's not the same times as now. Second, any information, as we it's said, it's even not, at,
0: it's not three or five p.m. No, or? no. And
1: even <laughs> Sun Tzu, we, we talked about him. You need people on the ground. You need to understand what the people think. The types of agents. So yeah. you need sometimes you need to know what's going on, and the intelligence that was necessary was very local. Was right. very. Very specific to very wasn't understanding the brick strategy of the British forces. No, it was if there's a movement of somebody, if someone's moving, if someone's talking of doing something, it was low-key intelligence. So low-key intelligence, you have specific people who could do them because they're in a positions to do it. Now, why did he recruit the people he did? One, he couldn't trust others. If he started to recruit someone and they betrayed him, everything is gone. So he had to keep it simple. And had to keep it to people he trusted, like we said in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So he had not didn't have a lot of time, and he had to trust his his villagers. So it's the right thing to do. Is it for long term? If if the British understand that this guy is recruiting only from this village or this town, then you round out the town and you find out everybody else. Yeah, and you then, see who his friends are. You round them and, and, and that's and, it. Yeah. And then it's all over. So there's a risk there. So you don't want to put all all your eggs in in one basket.
0: Of the suspected people for Agent Three Five Five.
1: Would there have been any for you that would have been a, an easy recruit? First of all, there's nothing like an easy recruit, <laughs> okay? There's everything, every person stands on his own. Something that could look easy to one, making it difficult to another, you tackle it in a different angles each time. So there's no such thing as an easy recruit. You have to decide who is worthwhile, that the, the information he will be getting is worthwhile investing in And I think the Townsend lady, Sally, Sally, was the one that could bring in, in the long run, the more interesting and… Consistent. Not only consistent, but reliable information that you can trust and that the information came to her. She didn't have to go out and get it. Interestingly, we discussed double agents for a moment there. You
0: know, John Andre, you mentioned at a moment, I said, you know, Benedict Arnold himself. What about Simcoe? The love interest that Sally had. Let's say you recruit Sally. Could could that have been a potential target if you were running this operation? You think, hmm, this guy's in love with her.
1: No. Why not? Because he's giving information without being recruited. So not reliable enough. Oh, he's reliable, for you already. It you just don't makes need it easier. I, I I don't want to compromise Sally. Mm-hmm. He's giving the information willingly. He's sending letters. He's is opening up his heart. If he gave information out. Not necessarily you have to recruit someone to get information from him. Right.
0: So there was a necessity for codes then, obviously for security and all that kind of stuff. Is there still a necessity for for code names and all that jazz today?
1: Well, we answered that. (laughs) Yes, of course. But for many reasons. When something is broken or someone manages to hack you or manages to get inside your systems, you want to have another layer of protection.
0: But, I mean, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate because I kind of know already. But, yes. you know, the,
1: in the old days,
0: I remember payphones were a really big part of uh, your life. You know, it was very important to find payphones because you have different places you can operate
1: from that way. Right? It's not the same consistent well, hub. it's communications anyway. I mean, pigeons were a very important sure. act as well. But you wouldn't want to use, use the same
0: pigeon in the same... Well... Place every time right now. So exactly, you don't use the same. Phones. You don't
1: use the same uh, telephone box. Right, the exactly. same reason. If exactly. You do the same pigeon. You don't Except look the same now phone. we have
0: cell phones, and pay, yes. pay phones are not everywhere, and people carry cell phones.
1: Right, is even, it, even spies? So you have to. or you have to have devices to make sure that someone can't listen hack to it, you, okay, or hack it. But or you change your cell phones. I
0: mean, or drug dealers have burgers. so many things. <laughs> I
1: don't even go of so many things you can do or not do. Right, but. You would think the better way is to walk around without a phone. You would think. So think. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you would think.
0: Okay. So we'll end, as we often do, with a little dramatization. This is George Washington in a letter to the President of Congress dated September 24th, 1776. The necessity of procuring good intelligence is apparent and need not be further urged. All that remains for me to add is that you would be pleased to impress upon the minds of the committee the importance of the thing, and the disadvantage we labor under for want of it. Upon this, and upon every occasion, I have experienced great embarrassment from the want of it, and have, in more instances than one, been obliged to undertake enterprises of the most critical nature upon the most vague and uncertain information, when the means of obtaining positive knowledge were within our reach." Intelligence, it's important. It is. Gotta have it. Have to. This was Spies and Lies. Thanks for listening. And remember, keep your sources to yourself. And we're not just talking about ketchup. Spies and Lies is a Grumpy Golem production with original scoring and mastering by Julian Dussault. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to share with your friends and leave a comment or review wherever you listen from. If you have any questions or subjects you'd like for my father and I to cover, drop us a message and we'll do our best to get back to you. Until next time.
1: Selling a little or a lot?